0: I like to start with something, especially when you deal with a heavy subject like the cross, like we're dealing with, Uh, I like to start with something a little bit lighter. And so back in children's ministry one day, uh, they were teaching, and um, uh, the teacher walked into the class, and she was teaching the kids about what it takes to go to heaven, and she said, if I sold my house and my car, had a big garage sale, and gave all my money to the church Would that get me to heaven? And the children shouted, No. And then she said, If I cleaned the church every day, mowed the lawn, kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me into heaven? And the kids said, No. Well, she shouted, Then how do I get to heaven? And in the back room, one five year old boy shouted, You gotta be dead. You gotta be dead. In case you don't know, we're Christians and we believe that it's not our works that get us to heaven. It's not what we do, but it's what he did. And aren't you thankful for that today? I'm thankful for that. (laughs) Jesus did for us what we could not do. And so we're talking about really the, the crux of the gospel today. And that is Jesus on the cross. And we're preaching a series that I've never preached before. We're looking at the last seven phrases that Jesus made from the cross. And we're using a theme passage of Scripture from Hebrews chapter 12, 2. And it says, Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race that we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in the place of honor right alongside God. The first Sunday that I preached this, we're using the same passage as our theme the whole time. First Sunday I preached this, it just happened to on my birthday, February 11th. And uh, so I got home from church and I was looking at Facebook uh, to hear all the wonderful accolades that people thought about my sermon, you know, because I knew that Facebook was just going to blow up, you know. And so. Uh, um, actually, what I saw was this passage and our former pastor's picture, Morris Bagwell, uh, on Facebook had a picture of it, and uh, Tom Blevins had posted it. And, uh, and I gave Tom a hard time and said, Hey, Tom, I preached this sermon. Morris Bagwell didn't preach the sermon. And uh, I said, And besides, it's my birthday. And, uh, and, and, you know, here we got his picture up here. And I just kidded with him. But the truth of the matter is the reason he posted Morris's picture. Is this is Morris's absolute favorite passage? This was his life verse. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He preached this more than anything else he preached. He talked about this verse more than any other verse. In fact, if you were to visit his tombstone today, this would be the scripture. That's on Morris's tombstone. And so I think it's really great that we're doing this honorary Morris Bagwell series of Jesus on the cross, and we're learning from what Jesus did. Amen? Yes. Amen. So this is the third lesson, and by the way, Melanie, would you mind getting me some water up here? I thirst. For those of you who don't know, that was one of Jesus' last words uh, on the cross. The The third lesson that we're going to be learning today about Jesus on the cross, and it's one that's very tender to me, and I really need you to sort of picture it, so if you could just picture Jesus on the cross this morning, and then down at the foot of the cross, I want you to picture his mother. And then I want you to picture one of his disciples, but not just one of his disciples. Arguably, it could be considered what we would call his bestie, his his closest disciple. In fact, his nickname was John the Beloved. So picture Jesus on the cross, his mother at the foot of the cross, and then his disciple that was very beloved named John standing there too. And the lesson this week is make sure that you take care of, your filling in blanks, that you take care of the people that are closest to you. The scripture this week is standing near the cross where Jesus' mother and, and, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. And he said to his disciple, Here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. Now, because this is such a visual time of year, um, if we can make it happen, I think I've got a little video of this happening from the Passion of the Cross. Thank you. Mother, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. And I wanted to, you to see that. You Go ahead and turn the lights back on if you would. I wanted you to see that um, visually because I, I think it's really important for us to grasp what's going on that we sort of see in our minds what's happening there. Thank you, Melanie. As you're taking notes today. There's, there's six takeaways from this little passage that i want you to have today the first one's not going to take very long and it's simply this identify the real problem in order for jesus to be thinking about anything besides himself he had to understand that there was something more going on than just him being crucified on a cross or him being picked on that jesus was a part of a bigger story Sometimes when we're going through trouble and when we're going through our difficult days, it's hard for us to step back and realize, wait a minute, there's something that's going on here. There's something bigger that's going on here. The enemy really has it out for me, and the enemy's trying to use this situation in my life in order to bring me down. But how many know that all things work together for good to those that love the Lord? Even the, even the most difficult days, even the most tragic things that we go through are working for our good. And Jesus had to step back and realize that history is his story. History is his story. And so Jesus, and the scripture says in Ephesians 6, 12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against... Uh, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places there's more going on here that meets the eye besides the cross besides roman guards that are that are torturing him there's a spiritual battle that's going on and in our own bad times there's a spiritual battle that's going on could you turn to your neighbor and say my story is part of a bigger story Your story is part of a bigger story, and it will help you to remember that because it will help you to think beyond yourself and the particular circumstances that you're in. The second thing that I want you to know from this is to avoid the pity party. I don't know about you, but when I'm going through pain, it's hard for me to think about or care about anybody else. When I'm in pain, I, I just got to tell you, I don't like pain. You know, I'm not so sure how afraid I am of death. I'm afraid of the pain that leads to death. You know what I'm saying? It, it's pain that bothers me. And, and uh, I, I was thinking about a time when uh, we were living in Illinois, and I had a, a side job while I was pastoring the church as, also as a hospital chaplain, on-call hospital chaplain, and they would call me in if there was a tragedy or someone had died or whatever. Um, and so I was, I was at home one day, and I, my, we had little pagers at that time before all the modern cell phones, a little, little pager that went off. And uh, I called in, and I, I was to go to the ER. Uh, somebody had passed away. Uh, very difficult time where you want to be on your best, you want to care for somebody. On the way out the door, I realized this is going to take a while. I'm going to miss supper tonight. And I grabbed a, um, a box of Cocoa Puffs. And I poured them in a glass and uh, poured milk in them. And I don't know if you like cocoa bus, but it basically makes chocolate milk in there. It's awesome. So, you know, I, I, just, I just drank it down real quick as I'm going out the door because I knew I was going to be gone for a while miss it. As I started out the door and headed for uh, the ER, I started getting a side ache. Now, I'd been having trouble up to this point um, with these occasional gallbladder attacks. Well, I started getting a side ache, and, and by the time that I got to the hospital, it was worse than a side ache. Uh, it felt like somebody was, was piercing my side. I mean, it was, it was very, very, very painful. I couldn't even stand up straight. I mean, I was, I was hunched over trying to, you know, and I'm trying not to look like I'm in, because there's a family that needs me. There's a family that's needing me to care for them, and um, you know, I, I was trying not to give away, but I think my eyeballs were bleeding. I mean, it was just very, it was just very, very painful. And I walked back to the, uh, uh, the ER, and I saw this grieving family, and I'm just kind of stumbling around trying to care for them. And you know, uh, you know, they, they're probably thinking I'm using pastoral uh, demeanor or something. They had no idea uh, how much pain I was in, and and. Uh, and again, can I just be honest with you, I didn't give a rip about them at that moment. You know, I was just, I was, going, I was doing my job, and I, I, I couldn't, I, I'm not proud of this, but I couldn't even focus on them uh, because I was in so much pain myself. And so I'm doing my best, and then I saw it. It was like a vision from heaven. I watched uh, their pastor walk through the door, and his name was Charlie. He was a friend of mine. I said, Charlie, it's so good to see you. This family in your church has just had a tragedy. They need you right now. I said, um, I'm going to turn it over to Charlie. I walked back to the ER. I checked myself in to the ER. Ironically, they had to find a surgery spot for me. I took the lady's surgery spot who had died. She was supposed to have surgery. I got her spot. I got my gallbladder removed. And I was a happy camper. I'm not really proud of that, but, but I don't know about you. I'm not, I'm not really good. And, and one of the things that amazes me about Jesus in this story is here he is. He's got nails in his hands. Uh, he's going through the most excruciating pain. He's been beaten um, uh, on his back. Not just with whips, but with whips with rocks in it. And somehow he's able to focus on his mother and his, uh, his disciple that he loved. 1 Peter 5.7 says this, Cast all your anxiety upon him, for he cares for you. That when we're going through, if we're, if we're to if we're to care for other people, when we're going through other things, we have a God who is touched, who feels our pain. There's not a pain that you're going through that He has not gone through. And casting all of our cares upon Him because He cares for us. The third thing I want to share with you is live a connected life. We're not in this life alone. I was. We were meeting in our small group yesterday and Coy um, talked about a tombstone that he saw up on the Appalachian Trail one day and it said this, here lies Uncle Henry. He was born here alone, lived here alone, suffered here alone and died here alone. What, What a sad funeral, what a sad tombstone to have. God did not intend us to live our lives alone, but we are to live a connected life. Uh, we're going through the Lord's Prayer. We've been going through the Lord's Prayer in my prayer group. But one thing that has struck me in the Lord's Prayer is, is it's not my Father which art in heaven. It's our Father who art in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We are connected. Joshua didn't say, "I'm going to serve the Lord." He said, if you res- uh, in Joshua 24:15, he said, "If you res- refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. When you go through something very painful and personal in your life, it's really important to remember that there are people that are very close to you who are suffering as well. As Jesus is on the cross, his mother is suffering greatly. One of the greatest sermons I ever heard on the cross was uh, a guy named Paul Russell was preaching in our church, and it was right when the Passion of the Christ was, was out. And there's a scene in the Passion of the Cross where the mother of Jesus is following Jesus on that trail and he's wiping, she's wiping up the blood. And the sermon that he preached was called The Precious Blood of Jesus. That nothing would be wasted, that Jesus' mother is is wiping up the blood. While while he's going through his time, there are people that care about you. And so I I just want to be really transparent with you and say that on one of my most difficult times that I went through in my life, I didn't adequately take into account the pain that the people that were closest to me were also going through. One of the most emotionally difficult times in our life as a family was moving to Knoxville. We love Knoxville. We love our home. We love the city. We love everything about it. But the move to Knoxville was incredibly, incredibly painful. We had dreamed of our whole lives being in Illinois. It was the death of a dream. It was the death of a vision. I When I came here, a lot of you don't know this, I went to counseling for a while. I, I just went and talked to a counselor for a while because I was in, in, in just a lot of pain about the transition and, and all of the... Um, all of the changes that were made, and, and, and they've ended up being good changes, but, but um, I don't think I adequately took into account the pain that Melanie was feeling and the pain that Natalie was feeling and the pain that Christiana was feeling and the pain that Noah was feeling. Before I ever preached this sermon to you, I preached it to myself. And I wept in my office thinking about, wow, while I was going through that, there were people around me. Melanie used to have a support group in Illinois of go-to people that she could call whenever she needed. When we needed flowers arranged in our house, we had the lady, didn't we, Mel, that would come and do that. When, 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 uh, when, when there was a friend to go out with, there was that friend to go, all of those things. When, when you needed something done at the church, we had built all of that over time. There were all of those things. And now Melanie was, was here in Knoxville, and she was back to doing everything and just really um, starting all over again. And, and Melanie went through a lot. One of the best sermons that I've heard preached at this church, as I've been here, was preached by my daughter Natalie, who opened up to this congregation about the pain that it was for her when she made the transition to Knoxville, and it was a very transparent. and 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 when I heard that, I had no idea the level of pain that she was going through. Christiana is the one in our family who. Who carries our memories and she, she she's the one who's the keeper of all of the special occasions and remembers everything and and she went back a, a year or so ago and knocked on the door of the house we used to live in and asked the lady if she could just walk through all those rooms again and she videotaped it her and Noah walking through the house and and she put music to it and she put it on on Facebook of just uh, it was a beautiful memory of this place that was Camelot to us. I can remember the day when it was pouring down rain and all three of my kids going outside and playing in the mud and yelling and laughing. The days in the backyard on the four-foot-above-ground pool where they swam or the woods behind our house where the deer came out and they would walk through the woods and have wonderful times And I was going through all of my own stuff and I don't think I adequately took into account the pain that they were experiencing. Just a couple weeks ago, my son Noah was in town and Noah talked to me about the pain and he probably took it worse than any of them because he had to come and start high school in a new city where social circles were already made and where he tried to get in to certain social circles and was not allowed in and and found himself with the kids who had been rejected and those who had not didn't feel like they were apart. So, last night, before I preached this message to you, on Saturday night, I wrote a letter to my wife and to my three children. And I sent it to them. And I said, I can't go to this congregation and preach this sermon this morning. Because I've been thinking about Jesus on the cross. And I'm remembering that when he was going through his worst moment, he wasn't thinking about himself. And I apologized to them, and I asked them to forgive me. And I told them, I see them, and I see their pain, and I hear their cries, and your daddy loves you, and he cares about you. I don't know about you, but I want to be more like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus, that when I'm going through my stuff, I'm not just thinking about myself. We live a connected life. The next thing that I want to share is kind of deep. It's, we got to care for their needs, but don't cave into their demands. Several years ago, there was a movie that came out called The Last Temptation of Christ, and it was... They were trying to make him being tempted by Mary Magdalene or whatever. I don't think that was the last temptation of Christ. I think this is the last temptation of Christ, to see your mother there at the foot of the cross. Your mother who would love nothing more than you to not go through this and to be able to go through it because he was looking beyond the cross and he was looking to all of us. He didn't let his own mother throw him off mission. We see that through his whole life. We see him when he's a, when he's just a boy, and he's in the temple, and his mother and his dad come looking for him and say, "Jesus, where were you?" I love you, mom, but I got to be about my father's business. We see Jesus. We see him later, and I'm going through the Bible again of uh, this year, and I just came across this this passage again. Uh, this week. And uh, it was from from um, Matthew. It also says it in Mark. Who do you think my mothers and brothers are? Then he stretched out his hand toward his disciples. By the way, the context of this is Jesus' mother and his brothers came to tell Jesus to go home. He was teaching. And he's like, Jesus, go home. Quit doing what you're doing. Uh, you need to come back home. We're going to have a nice reunion. We're going to We're going to swim in the backyard. We're going to do all these fun things, Jesus. We need you here. And Jesus said, um, he then stretched out his hand toward his disciples, and he said, look closely. These are my mother and my brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys my heavenly Father's will is my brother and mother and sisters. Let me tell you something. The people that care about us the most have the greatest impact on throwing us off mission if we'll let them. If we let ourselves, our kids will throw us off mission. Our kids sometimes would, um, would, just, love, would just love us to um, not bother with the kingdom of God stuff. Our, our own parents would. And, and I, I just want to honor my parents right now because I think my parents are unusual. I see a lot of parents do this. They try to hem their children in. They try, to, they, they try to keep their children. But my mother, I remember she wrote an article when we were kids, give them roots and give them wings. She really believed in giving us roots, but then she really believed in giving us wings. And so now I have a brother that lives in Hawaii and one that lives in Illinois, and I live here in Tennessee, and we're very close emotionally to one another. But we're all over the world doing kingdom work. If we're not careful, we as parents can try to keep our children in, keep them from becoming all that they can be. And, and Jesus' mother, we have, we have instances of it. If anything could have gotten Jesus off the cross, it would be mom. There's nothing like a mom and her boy. That mother-son relationship. And so we have to care for those but we can't cave in to their demands. If Mary had their way, if had her way, there would be no cross. The disciples didn't want the cross. They wanted some other way. If John had his way, there would have been no cross. So we've got to care for their needs. Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Without caving in their, de- their demands. We've got to love our children. We've got to love our parents but we do have to be about our Father's business. I love, uh, you, you know, my mom was one of those moms. Ticks me off. She would agree with the teachers when we got in trouble. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know how many, you know, we used to have a school back at our old church. You can't believe the amount of parents that would come to us complaining against the teachers who are making kids do things like do their homework, you know, and, and, and all kinds of terrible things like behave in class and all that kind of thing. And we had parents that would take up for the kids. Thank God for moms and dads who won't take up for the kids, but that will, that will support the authority in their lives. Amen. Number five is keep loving to the very end. There's a lot of people that start the race. But it's really important that we finish the race. John 13, 1 says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Do you remember when you... you, I'm getting to the age in my life where I'm starting to think about finishing well. I want to be a great finisher. I don't want to just be a great starter. I remember... Do you remember when you first fell in love with Jesus? Do you remember when you were passionate about it? Do you remember when you first responded uh, to the call to receive Jesus as your Lord? Do you remember the way that you felt? One of the things that this... Shows me is that Jesus never stopped caring. He never stopped loving. Could I just suggest, Life Church, that we just be relentless lovers of Jesus? Relentless lovers of Jesus. Love when it hurts, love when people are unlovable, love until our last breath. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Love never fails. Then it goes on to say, and now remain these three, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. When people come at you with hatred, combat it with love when you don't know what to do in a situation love love to the very end and the last thing that i get out of this is that we all have a cross to bear you know it's easy for us to focus on jesus on the cross but one of the things that this picture of jesus and his mother and his bestie remind me is that jesus has his cross but mama has her cross And his best friend has his cross. All of us have a cross to bear. Um, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what would a man give in return for his soul? Matthew 6, 24 through 26. The picture of this week is a good reminder to all of us that we are just not spectators. We all have a cross. My brother Paul played in a huge uh, Easter production in Alexandria, Louisiana that put on 13 performances a season, uh, sold-out audiences to thousands of people in the audience. Um, it was uh, well-known all through the South. And I have a picture of him, I think, on your next slide here. Do we have those pictures up? I think we do, do we not? There we go. So that's that's Bill Clinton when he was in office. Actually came to, to, uh, to witness... Uh, uh, this production and in fact I, I got to go there and sat right behind Bill Clinton watching because I'm Jesus brother I'm the brother of Jesus so I was the I, I got to go to the foot of Air Force One and meet Bill Clinton and all that and we um, uh, we were there to watch him do this but during the play and it was quite a moving quite a moving play um, go to the next slide if you would this is this is at the Last Supper um, Jesus breaking the bread and, and uh, it was just filled with the passion of what he was going through. And then I just wanted to show you one more picture. This was where, where Jesus is being beaten. And the reason I bring this up to you is, is because my mother, my mother could barely watch because it was so realistic what they were doing my brother was wearing pads on his back that people couldn't see but when they were beating him they were beating him with all that they had and so my mother my mother never got along with the roman soldiers <laughs> it was all you could do to keep my mother from running on stage And it's, and it's an, an apt reminder to all of us that not only does Jesus have his cross, but he invites us to take up a cross. This mother who had to watch her son go through this. This disciple, this bestie who had to watch his best friend go through this, and then they, of course suffer for Jesus, and and the disciples, all but John, give their lives for Jesus, and John would have, but it wasn't required of him. Each of us have a cross to bear. Each of us have a cross to bear. I'm going to invite us to um, go to the Lord and pray. and